My name is Matt Brown. We got plenty of time to get in stand. Y'all need to wake up out there and play football, okay? You understand me? You need to find each other. Don't you need each other right now, so find each other. And let's start the show. Here's what we're gonna do right here. We're gonna use our speed. We're gonna run Texas Power Force. What's wrong with y'all? Don't play like some little girls. Y'all like y'all never played football before. These guys are nothing. You hear me? They please just like we do. Yes, they sweat just like we do. Do you hear me? They went through two days. We went through two days in 110 degree heat. Yes, sir. I want you to hit everything to move. If the ref gets in your way, you hit him. Okay, then, let's play. But that team does too. They're against us too. This is our team. This is us. Let's go right now. Let's get it off now. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? The world is a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown, and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Wednesday, January 12th, 2023. We have a huge, huge productive conversation regarding the NFL wildcard weekend. We are previewing all the matchups for the start of the NFL postseason. Plus, we have a huge announcement where we are going to produce our first ever live stream in the podcast's history. That's right. The first ever productive live stream is taking place this Monday, January 16th at 8 p.m. on our YouTube page. Just search Productive Conversations in the YouTube search bar or just look at the description page below and you will see a link to our YouTube page. Again, just go to YouTube, type in Productive Conversations, and at 8 p.m., check us out on our live stream as we cover and check out and watch together the Cowboys and Buccaneers wild card matchup. That is 8 p.m. this Monday, January 16th on our YouTube page. Just search Productive Conversations on YouTube and you will see us there. So that's going to be exciting. More information on that ahead. But I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod. We're on TikTok at Productive Conversations. Thank you to Dolo Ren, aka Alex DeJesus, for producing that content for us. So, yes, that's right. We have our Productive Conversations Podcast episode featuring the Wildcard Weekend preview. But as I mentioned, this Monday we are going to do our first live stream. You don't want to miss it. All of us will be there. Me, Brian McKeon, Desmond Price, Alex Young, and Alex Renelio, who have been with you all season long covering each and every single game, each and every single week of the NFL season. And now the postseason is here. So why don't we do something special? And we're going to live stream one of the playoff games. So we figured the best matchup on paper in the Cowboys and the Buccaneers on Monday night would be a good time to do it. And that's exactly what's going to happen. So check out that live stream. It's going to be on our YouTube page, 8 p.m., and the game starts at 8.30. You do not want to miss it. The first ever Productive Conversations live stream. And as for the podcast episode that is about to unfold and take place, the five of us are about to talk all things Wild Card Weekend. We preview each and every single one of the matchups, and we have a lot of fun doing it. Hopefully we influence you, hopefully we inspire you, and hopefully we entertain you, and it's going to be a great, great time from here. So why don't I just hand it over to my guys, the productive NFL crew, Desmond Price, Brian McKeon, Alex Renelio, and Alex Young, 
Let's talk about wildcard weekend. Let's preview each matchup. Let's learn more about the live stream that's taking place on Monday. And let's have a good time while we do all of that. So here we go. It's your guys' turn once again. Let's preview the wildcard weekend in the NFL. Here we go. This is a very productive conversation. Happy New Year, everybody. Good days ahead. Lots of fun memories in store. And the best part about a new year is the NFL postseason. We are here, the productive NFL crew, starting our postseason coverage right here, right now. Everybody's here this week. Alex Ranelia, Brian McKeon, Desmond Price, Alex Young. Hello, everybody. What up? How you doing? Great, great to see everybody. Good to see everyone's all well and happy and all of that. And we're here. 18 weeks of the regular season has completed. We have all the teams ready to go. And we're going to start our coverage right here, right now. And before I start anything, guys, what did you think of this whole NFL season as a whole? Uh, it was exciting for me. Uh, a couple disappointing teams um, that I thought were be better. Um, but overall, I had a lot of fun. And Matt, me and you being Giants fans, we had the you know who would have thought season. Um, and it's continuing going into the wild card weekend. Um, so there's been a lot of highs. Uh, but yeah, I think overall it's been a fun NFL season. Um, and like I said, a couple teams that we thought I, I think all originally thought we were going to do well all kind of fell apart. But other than that, fun year. Definitely, definitely. Yes, it was. We we're all over the place, weren't we? as a whole big stories throughout and this is the this is what it's all about the NFL postseason what so, I noticed from the season my bad um from what I noticed from the season a lot of mediocre football hmm. a lot of average teams I saw a lot of middle of the pack teams this year a lot of teams floating near or around 500 you know Four point four hundred, point six hundred. So a lot of average this season. Maybe defenses got better, offenses took a step back. But I see, I saw a lot of average. Mm-hmm. Very mids, if you will. Yeah, I guess. Uh, I guess you're you're not wrong with that. There's plenty to prove that that happened. We've seen some very silly plays. We saw some. Um, we saw some legends be put on the line. They almost didn't make it. But some did, and yeah, I, I can't disagree with you. The football as a whole was pretty mediocre. Not a lot of real classic games and nail biters per se, but all in all, it was still really entertaining and a lot of fun to watch. And all I know for a fact this weekend ahead is going to be a lot of fun. So why don't we get into it right here, right now, as I said, let's go over the postseason. Plus, we have a big announcement towards the end of the show as well that you do not want to miss. So the way the show is going to work, we're going to go through each of the six matchups for the wild card weekend or the super wild card weekend, if you will, for the NFL marketers who want us to be hip and all of that. So one by one, as the schedule goes, read the teams playing, read the spread, and let's break down where we think this is going to go. So the first matchup for the wildcard weekend in 2023, 
Saturday afternoon, 4.30, we have the Seattle Seahawks going to the San Francisco 49ers. The 49ers open at minus nine and a half. So some things to take note of these two matchups. The rise of Brock Purdy. He's here. He's feeling good. He's still undefeated, and he's going to be starting a postseason game. We have Geno Smith and the Seahawks. As Alex mentioned, a who-would-have-thought season. The same thing happened to that team up in the north, up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, Geno Smith has a rejuvenated season. We have Kenneth Walker turning into a legit running back in this league. I mean, seriously, none of us saw this team going anywhere. 2-14, and and they have made it. Kudos to them. But despite that, they are huge underdogs in this matchup. Do we see Brock Purdy Magic still still going through? Do we see the Brock Purdy Magic still becoming something of note? Do we see the broad do we see the Brock Purdy Magic still going on? And also with the 49ers with the additions of uh Christian Mac ah Christian Matt ah sorry, sorry. Christian McCaffrey. I got so excited, I couldn't even pronounce his name. Christian Mc- the addition of Christian McCaffrey. The stellar defensive line, which are considered maybe the best pass trust in the whole league. And then we have, um, like I said, this team of misfits somehow make it to the wild card round. And they can thank the Detroit Lions for that, knocking off the Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers on the final game of the NFL regular season. So let's give it to the floor, guys. Who are you feeling this week in this matchup? Uh, I, I'm going to go just feeling 49ers. Uh, they just, the depth is, is insane. Um, love the story of Gino, um, but he hasn't looked the same to me, uh, since early on in the season. Um, Seattle's defense is, is not, uh, as strong. Uh, and I just think the 49ers have just top the bottom, uh, the depth to do it. Um, I think they're the team to watch. Uh, the team to potentially come out of uh, the NFC with the 49ers. Um, so I think they're going to get through the Seahawks relatively easily here and just ride the momentum. Yeah, Alex, I agree with you uh, pretty much. Um, all I have to note is that, every, you know, this is going to be the third time that Seattle plays the 49ers this season. Um, it's very hard to beat three teams back to back to back like that. Um, just because of, you know, you get to really learn that team. Um, every game they've gotten better, Seattle. You know, the first game they put seven points on the 49ers. The second game they put 13 points up on them. Maybe this game they'll put a few more points up, hit the 20s. So I expect a little bit more of a closer game just at this point because they know the opponent really well. It's a division game for them. Um, but, you know, 49ers have more weaponry. They have the better defense, obviously. But, you know, it is any given Sunday. But uh, I'll still favor the 49ers on this handling. And one thing to also note that every single wildcard matchup is a rematch at one point in the regular season. Alex Ranelio, what do you think about this matchup coming into this? 
So I, I'm kind of predicting a low-scoring affair, kind of like a 23-13 to 13 type of vibe. I think that these two teams are obviously very familiar with one another. Um, when I look back to Week 15, the way San Francisco kind of controlled things, you know, three and a half sacks, four of 13 on third down, um, they really kind of controlled the pace in a, in, a, in a really chunky kind of game up in Seattle. But I think this is going to be similar and something the same um, with the postseason kind of slowing down offenses. So I expect, you know, Brock Purdy, as long as he can stay out of his own way and kind of, you know, be willing to accept, um, you know, three and outs and field goals, I think that this team can kind of chisel away at Seattle and kind of lean on that front four to really get Geno shaken up and out of his game. So I expect a 23-13 type of affair. Yeah, guys, I don't think this game is going to be close at all. I think the 49ers are going to come out and just absolutely just pound the Seahawks. I don't think they have the offensive line to keep up with the 49ers defensive line. This game should be over by halftime. Yeah, think about it. The Seahawks, when they played the Rams, a much weaker opponent, they barely held on. It could have gone either way. It went into overtime. And in an alternate universe, maybe the Seahawks don't make it. And now you're playing a team that arguably could be a favorite into this postseason. And it's going to be very hard to keep up with them as well as going into their own building to try to get some kind of upset. But you're right. I think the I think the spread is a very good one and accurate. Over-unders 42 and a half. I think the more intriguing matchup for San Francisco will be the one that happens next week. But as Alex said, it's any given Sunday, but let's be real. Seahawks aren't going to defeat the 49ers. Good story. Nice to show that Pete Carroll can motivate these men into something of, you know, the West coast version of this great comeback season for them, but it's going to end in San Francisco in my eyes, but still kudos to them. 42 seems a little high, though, for a first-round playoff game. I think I think both of these teams are going to kind of have a little bit of trouble on the offense coming out of the gate. I don't think it's going to be as explosive in the first half as we may be predicting, but that's just me. I don't think you're – I don't think that's a bad take at all. I guess they've they, – I guess these bookies think that this could be an offensive juggernaut for the 49ers. And wouldn't it be ironic if that isn't the case? But I will stand on two feet and confirm to you that there is no way that the Seahawks are going to upset this team. I'd be very, very shocked. It might even be over by the first quarter. Might be like the Georgia game. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> History in a uh, much different perspective. But yeah, guys, I don't think there's much to break down in this matchup. This is just the seven. This, I mean, um, you know, this is just the seventh seed that is very much the last seed in this league for a reason, for in this conference for a reason. But um, we'll see how the game ultimately unfolds. But a more evenly created matchup would be the Saturday evening game where we have the Los Angeles Chargers going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Chargers are going to Jacksonville for a playoff game. We have Herbert's first playoff game. Brandon Staley, people on the show, and Ashley said he should get fired at the midpoint of the season, but they were able to turn it around, and they were able to get some... They were able to get some... 
they were able to get some players who were hurt to come back. Though are there are still con- injury concerns for Los Angeles coming into this game. To be that should be of note. But then we have the Jacksonville Jaguars with the new coach Doug Peterson, and he picks up where he leaves off, and is able to turn this team around and bring them to the postseason. T- Trevor Lawrence has an incredible sophomore season. The team got better throughout. Whether ETN. Um, for some reason, Evan Ingram decided to be a good t- tight end all of a sudden. Um, some stellar defensive players on the other side. I think this game is actually going to be very, very interesting. The spread is minus one and a half. And in some places I've seen it at minus two for the Chargers in this. So with these two teams that have very interesting stories throughout this season, who do you think could be the one that knocks the other one off? So I had this game starred um, the entire week as the best scoring um, performance out of all these uh, wild card matchups, um, just because the offenses are pretty identical in style of explosiveness, you know, dual backs with uh, quality receivers who could stretch the field and also, you know, could go under and have short intermediate routes and, uh, you know, get those first down chunk yards for you. Um, in my opinion, though, I think Jacksonville has the upper edge right now. They've been very hot at the end of the stretch. Um, it's a home game. You have a pedigree in Doug Peterson of playoff experience. You know, you could say Trevor Lawrence has playoff experience in a college setting of going a few times um, compared to Herbert, who has, I don't think Herbert's played a playoff game in college or in the NFL yet. Um, it's a few guys in Jacksonville on the defense who have some history um, in playoff time as well. Evan Ingram played a game for the Giants at one point. So, um I have a feeling that Jacksonville is going to start out hot and we go to control um, control the clock, especially with the run game with ETN. Um, Chargers have having a lot of big difficulty lately in the run game. So uh, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be a close game towards the end. I think, you know, Herbert could come back just because him being that dynamic of a talent, of a talent. but uh, Jacksonville should, should win this game handily. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm going to agree. Uh, I really like Jacksonville here, um, especially from what I saw in the last week of the season. You know, down most of that game, their defense came alive late, made the necessary turnover to come and win the division. Um, you know, they they turned the whole season around. I think they're one of the best stories in football. Um, I don't think any of us expected them to be as hot as they were. Like I said before, uh, with their head coach, I thought he got screwed out of Philly. Um, and now he's showing that he's a really good head coach, has a young quarterback who's made tremendous strides. Um, I really like them. Um, I think they have all the momentum um, going into this week. I know the Chargers have offensive firepower. They have a great quarterback. But just the way I really, really like the way Jacksonville's playing right now. Um, and I think they're going to come in. I think they're going to show everyone uh, to look out for them. And I think they're going to beat the Chargers here. Yeah, I think winning like four of the last five as they did coming into it um they're definitely you know hot at the right time which is kind of a calling card of what this you know what this league is about um i think losing mike williams this week was definitely a huge loss for the chargers i think it just you know kind of insulates that offense even just more um and puts more weight on herbert's shoulders um eckler hasn't looked quite right all year and i don't think if they are able to balance the offense and control the clock i don't know how they can really um you know, defeat this Jacksonville team. I know that a lot of the the media and the press have, you know, chargers up. Um, uh, but I, I just think that Jacksonville has all the right momentum right now. And they have, um, 
you know, good synergy with Doug Peterson. He's been in these positions. Um, he knows how to, you know, read the energy and get guys prepared. So I have my full faith in him to uh, pull this one out. I think the Jacksonville offense has kind of been struggling a little bit the last few weeks. Watching that game last Saturday against the Titans, Trevor Lawrence was struggling to find time in the pocket, to find open receivers. Jacksonville's offense was barely moving the ball. They had to rely on a defensive touchdown to create separation to win that game against Tennessee, who is absolute dog shit this year, especially towards the end of the season. I think Jacksonville's offense is going to continue to struggle. I think Justin Herbert, even with Mike Williams' injury, is going to do just fine. I see the Chargers winning a high-scoring game here, 30-24 Chargers. Yeah, I'm going to go with this with this matchup I've been thinking about all day, thinking about it during lunch, thinking about it on my bus ride home. Specifically this, yes, the Chargers and the Jaguars, both on very far away from me. But listen, I do think that, the, as mentioned, the Jaguars were saved by their defense against a struggling Titans team. Again, in an alternate universe, they could have totally won that game, and they'd be the ones in this matchup. But the Chargers, I think, are in a good place. I do, with the exception of the Williams injury, as mentioned before. But with other matchups, with with uh, sorry, with other weapons from from Eckler and Keenan Allen holding his own, and Justin Herbert, who people were concerned about with that rib injury, seeming to be cool, calm, and collective with some of the most impressive throws you could ever see from a quarterback. I don't think the Jaguars defense could be as lucky as they were last week. I think the Jaguars will have a tough loss. will take it in in strides and just be much better next season because they clearly have something going for them and they are a team to look out for in the future. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes. I just, I just don't trust brand Staley. I'm just like, However, they're going to fuck it up. They're going to fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. Do you I think even though Brandon that. Stanley, uh, for those criticisms that he would fuck up games, you know, he's had <laughs> done weird in-game. He's done some very weird in-game adjustments. Want to go. He's the type of uh, coach who will go out fourth and 15 just because. Um, the, and it seems that he was bailed out a lot towards the end of the season, hence why he literally saved his job. But we do think for that. Now. That we do, we do, do we think that if they get handily beat, they get embarrassed? Do we think that he's going to be on the chopping block? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think if they lose this game, I think Sean Payton's the next coach of the Chargers. Specifically, um, the Chargers, Brian. Specifically, the Chargers here. And, and despite all the it's other the, ones that he's been in the for. It's, it's the best option. The best I would option. say I would say Denver would be number two just because you would be able to com- command the entire organization. And, you know, they do have the pieces in Denver on defense and offense to actually, if they have a quality coach, they can go far. It's just, okay. They just didn't get it together this year. This is one of those fluke years. Um, But with the Chargers, you know, you have aging receivers in Williams and Keenan Allen, you know, Gerald Everett, like, you know, uh, Eckler, like they're aging when you have, a, you know, the rookie contract of Herbert, you need a win now Super Bowl coach who brings a pedigree and a top scheme um, and top co- assistants around him. And that's the kind of coach that, you know, would put this team over the edge. Um, I want to mention also one more thing. Um, speaking of Jacksonville, cause we all mentioned how, uh, they played bad against the Titans. Um, 
the Cowboys almost lost against the Titans, and the Chargers only won by a field goal against the Titans. The Titans, the entire season, have had one of the better defenses in the league schematically. Um, and I think that, you know, that was it's very, for a Jacksonville team to beat them twice shows a lot of um, quality. You know, it's a lot of pointers and learning lessons from there. So I think chalking up, you know, a bad offensive game to tie the tie Tennessee isn't really a good tell on the Jaguars here. When we do, you know, the Chargers are electric when they have playmakers and their number one fifty fifty guys out. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a different Chargers team um that we see this game, I feel. Interesting. Okay. Okay, I respect that. So some of us feel that Brandon Stanley is going to have to be really focused in this game. And uh, some others, I guess, think the opposite. But okay, I'll risk, give that. Risk only works when you get it right. When you when you risk wrong and you lose the house's money, you get fired and kicked out of the casino as the, as 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 the dealer. You know what I mean? So you know he has his house money. He brought resurrected this team. You know he's dealing the cards. They have to win. If they don't win, he's gone. All right, we'll see what happens on Saturday night and one o'clock on Sunday. To start it off, we have the Miami Dolphins as the team who was able to slip in, whether it was going to be the Patriots or or um blank, I'm sorry. It's either it was either the Patriots or the Steelers. They were the ones to get in. And um they're going against the Buffalo Bills, who we know have had quite a couple of weeks. Um they're what seems to be a team of destiny at this point, after DeMar Hamlin's injury. And we're so glad to see that he has been discharged from the hospital and ready to move on after such a traumatic event. And now the Buffalo Bills are ready to move on as well. And this team seems really motivated more than ever on top of a season that has been as crazy as it can be. Games being moved for weather, um, as I mentioned, this incident that happened, the fact that they are just the Buffalo Bills who are just trying to finally get on the other side and win a Super Bowl. This could be their time. And they're going up against a Dolphins team that is not going to be able to play Tua this week. A Dolphins team that I happened to see in person last week. And they, despite playing a Jets team that could have easily beat them, they're just so lucky the Jets were so far up their ass that didn't know what they were doing. And now you're telling me that they're going to play up, go up against a team that was favored, favored early on in the season, a team that seems to be okay now with their injuries, and a team that has can be more motivated than ever at this spread that opens at minus nine. Um. I think this game is going to speak for itself, but Buffalo is going to beat them pretty handily. Skylar Thompson isn't going to exactly be Joe Montana out there. It's going to be very tough for them, and um, we can only we can bet on how much they're going to beat them. Honestly, uh, I think Buffalo easily wins this game at home. I agree with you completely. I think this is the worst team in the playoffs um, without Tua. Um, even with two of us, the way they're playing right now, um, I think Buffalo has the upper hand um, in every position um, outside of wide receiver, just because, you know, Hill and Waddle are definitely better than Higgs and uh, Diggs and uh, Davis. But outside of everything else, I see Buffalo having the advantage over everything. Um, you know, plus they also have the chip on their shoulder with uh, playing for their boy, Mar Hamlin. Um, and, you know, that's a big motivation. That's a big, um, you know, thing in the locker room playing for, you know, 
your friend, your teammate that was down and now back up recovering and stuff like that. So happy to see him doing well. Um, so I, I really see them like winning by like two touchdowns or more. Um, I want to make this one point though about the Miami Dolphins, because um, everyone talked about the whole. Uh, uh, what's the, what's the name of the head coach again? I forget. I, I forget. It just slipped my brain. The coach of the Dolphins. Yeah, Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. Yes, Mike McDaniel. This offensive guru they brought him in and everything like that because of Brian Flores and all of that. I just pulled up this team stats for twenty one and twenty two. This season they are only scoring twenty three point four points per game, and last season it was twenty point one. So with a defensive head coach. They scored only three points shy less of this offensive guru. And last season, they did better in fourth down percentage, third down percentage, and to- and they were only shy of uh, by six touchdowns. They had 39 last year to Miami's 45. So we talk about, you know, upgrades this season for Miami and, you know, really coming of its own. I really don't see that. and I don't know what the hype in Miami has been all this time. Um, when they, well, they really to had... be fair, they were awesome at the beginning of the, the season. They were at one point eight and four, and then um, they almost completely let it slip. Now that helps your argument a little more, but they did come off really hot at one point. And some people arguing, especially with the additions they made in the middle of the season, that this was a top team. But again, as Alex Ranelia once said, the NFL stands for not for long. And um, clearly they're in a downward spiral despite winning to get in. And they won in the messiest game I literally ever saw. Yeah, rough. It's just interesting to see um, the tales of two seasons with different type of philosophies at head coach and how similar they are. So uh, finishing finishing seasons is going to have to be a thing for them next year and help. Definitely, definitely. And just getting a, a guy who's not concussed every other week who can stand up right. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I actually believe in McDaniel. This is just a side piece before I get into my, my argument, but I think – McDaniel could probably be a good quality coach, but I, I think, think so he, too. People are really hard on that guy, for sure. And you know, you're you're only dealt the hand you're given when you when you get a job anyway. But I mean, yeah, I, I think this will probably be like the most lopsided game of the week. I had you know approximately Buffalo twenty to nine. I think that it's going to be another kind of you know low low scoring kind of grinded out game. Uh, I think both teams you know are very familiar with each other. They hate each other. And I think that um, Miami secondary could be kind of the only hope for them to maybe get Skylar Thompson a short field here and there. Um, if Josh Allen kind of makes a mistake, um, you know, maybe throwing a pick or something like that. But um, I expect them to kind of, you know, kind of just run up and down in the field on them um, throughout the game. And I expect them to kind of control time of possession. So as long as Buffalo can kind of stay out of its own way and not cause any turnovers, I think they should win this game pretty handily. Yeah, and remember, they're playing a third-string quarterback, not even a second, a third. Now, it's been reported that Teddy Bridgewater is making strides in practice. I saw McDaniel say himself that he's looking good, but there are no guarantees, and I think it's most likely going to be Skylar Thompson, the one out there. But, um, yeah, this this, this team was crawling their way in the playoffs, and I think they're just going to get curb-stomped right into the ground after this. And notably, Raheem Mostert's out, too. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, like Brian said, even if two was on here on the field, um, I still sporting the Bills. But, uh, I mean, that first game they had was, was awesome, um, the the one in the snow in Buffalo. But, uh, yeah, I, 
to me, I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is like the Georgia game for the weekend, and I'm a Georgia fan, but I wouldn't be surprised if Josh Allen's getting a curtain call midway through the third quarter to his crazy Bills stadium because his game's just out of hand. You might as well rest them. Um, you know, you have Skylar Thompson in for, for the Dolphins is all right, but this Bills defense is probably going to eat him alive. With the Demar Hamlin story, everyone's going to be fired up on both sides of the ball. I, I, I didn't even like I said, even with two, I think the Bills still have this. They have all the momentum in the world. They have just a top to bottom great team. Um, I think this is going to be an absolute beatdown. And with the news of Hamlin, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there uh, this weekend. It would be cool to see. I don't know if he's going to be home resting or if he's going to be there. If he's there, that place is even going to go more bananas than we've seen it before. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, but I, you know, I, I think this game is going to be an absolute beatdown. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bills are resting guys late in the third, early fourth quarter of this game, just because. I agree. Just because. Yeah, there's not a really a whole lot to say about this game. I think this game is going to be over. Like, like that's about the Seahawks and 49ers game by halftime. I mean, this is probably the least competitive game of the week, given the fact that two is not on the field, seeing what they did last week against the Jets. They have no offense without him. I mean, Honestly, the question really is how much are the Bills going to win by? Yeah. Well, either way, we hope to see something magical in the air. Hopefully we see DeMar Hamlin out on the field watching his boys. And um, we'll see how much of a fight Miami can put on if one at all. Now let's get now let's talk about the real the real matchup to be excited for this week. Well, in my eyes, but it's, but we're also going to actually live stream probably the most interesting matchup on paper. But this is going to be awesome. At 4 o'clock, no, sorry, 4.30, we're going to see the New York football giants go to Minnesota to play the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings opening at minus 3. All right, let's really soak this in. We have one side, the New York Giants a team nobody took seriously, a team they thought they are probably a year away to be competitive, but no, you have the coach of the year leading this team to some incredible victories, some awesome comebacks, some gritty, hard-nosed, gridiron football. football. And we saw Daniel a season where Daniel Jones is taken seriously, Saquon Barkley turning back into Saquon Barkley, we even know a team that had some questions on at the wide receiver wide receiver positions. You can even argue some people have stepped up in that way. Talk about Isaiah Hodgins. And we see the pass rush. One of the most interesting things about this New York football Giants team is that the pass rush over the last four weeks have turned into one of the most interesting and dynamic formulas in this game. Obviously, Kevon Thibodeau is turning into a stellar defensive end. We have Dexter Lawrence becoming a pro bowler and eating people up. Uh, Leonard Williams at returning to injury and hit creating pressure for quarterbacks throughout. This is really interesting for the Giants. And then we have the Minnesota Vikings, a team that has been talked about so much on this podcast. A team that is, what, 13-0 and in one-score games? Where another team that hasn't been taken seriously, I think that, like I said, this is a team of of teams that have not been taken seriously. Kirk Cousins has played much improved this season. We have Dalvin Cook playing Dalvin Cook, Stephon Diggs, and I'm feeling being a great duo at the wide receiver positions, and all of that fun stuff. 
Now, with this matchup as well, we have the Vikings having major uh, major issues, especially on their offensive line. And if you combine that with the Giants' pass rush that keeps getting better and better each week, it might be tough for Kirk Cousins to get the ball to Justin Jefferson. Jeez, did I say Savon Diggs and Adam Thielen? My bad. Justin Jefferson's at Adam Thielen. But this is going to be a fun matchup. The Vikings are no to blow playoff games throughout their entire history. Whether you make four Super Bowls in the 70s and not win one, whether you're Blair Walsh, whether you're Gary Daniels, Gary Danielson, it's been tough. And I will go be biased on this one, but I genuinely believe the New York Giants can upset the Vikings this weekend, and uh, they'll just have to go back to the drawing board. And like I said, the big factor in this is because the Vikings' offensive line is having major holes, and then you just have one of the best pass rushers, pass rushes in the NFL to compartmentalize that. Let's go with the Giants on my side. I'll give it to Alex as the other Giant fan here, how he feels in this game. And we'll give it to the other three after that. Uh, I'm excited um, for this weekend. I, I think this is the matchup we all wanted. And it's not just a race for Giants fans wanted. Uh, not because of the, the regular season game. I think it's just because of the matchup. I think the Giants match up way better to this team than the 49ers. Um, these last few weeks, like you said, Matt, the defense has been great. Um, and we're, the defense is getting healthier, right? We're getting George Jackson back. You know, Kenny's, you know, been back on two weeks, but he's going to be at, you know, full speed. We're getting crucial pieces back at the right time. And I think that's going to help. I mean, if the Giants followed the game plan in the first matchup where they tried to limit Justin Jefferson as, as much as they could, um, and they did a pretty good job that game, I think they can have success here. Um, and I think with just Kayvon Thibodeau turning it around, or, you know, not turning it around, but just being electric these last few weeks, I think he's going to be amped up going into this playoff game. I think he's going to wreak havoc with the rest of the defense. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I think this is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a battle. I just don't want the Giants to get into a shootout. I don't think they're going to be capable offensively with the limited amount of weapons to get into a shootout. But if they can try to keep this game close, like they did, um, you know, the first time they played each other, uh, I think the Giants have a great yeah. chance to win. Um, so, you know, I'm looking forward to this matchup. I think the Giants could be the upset pick. Uh, for a lot of people, I think a lot of people are looking at this Giants team that they can make a special run. Not saying this team's getting to the Super Bowl. I don't think that's happening. But it's a lot of feelings of these teams that made these runs in the playoffs where they, they you know, did some special things uh, late in the year like they're doing right now. And now they're in the postseason. And I hope they, you know, do something special here and cause an upset. Yeah, I think this is more than just a, a house money team. Mm-hmm. I think this team is at least credible enough to push and give this team a fight. And I just hope that the Vikings are the Vikings in the playoffs. As I mentioned, they, this isn't one o'clock. I I really would think that people would look at this game differently if it was at one o'clock on a Sunday, but it's four 30 on a Sunday instead and bring it on Minnesota. Seriously, bring it on. And one aspect I'd like to talk with you, Alex as well, and feel free for anyone else who wants to add to this. Now we know one of the weaknesses is the um is has been the wide receivers this year. Mm-hmm. But as I said, with the rise of Isaiah Hodgins being pretty good, Richie James, though sometimes you get mad at the drops he has, 
Every once in a while in a game, he makes a great catch and a good run. And Kenny Galladay, I think he could be the secret weapon in this game, right? Kenny Galladay finally got his first touchdown as a Giant in his second year in the final game of the season. But with that, do you think in any way, shape, or form, I reckon it was against an Eagles team that, um, though they did have something to play for, the Giants did put all their – he got 44 snaps in the game, and he's in. he's gotten snaps in the single digits pretty much throughout the rest of the season. But for whatever reason, do you think Kenny Galladay should be put in the game plan this week? And if he does, do you think that can make a big difference in this game? Because I, I, as I do, I think maybe get him some more touches, get him some more snaps. And he is a veteran wide receiver, which this team doesn't have – any much of anything and i know they brought in james washington from pittsburgh we'll see if he's going to be thrown into the game at any point but um i say kenny galladay could be a big factor in this game for if used properly yeah um you know i think they should use him in the red zone i don't know if he has the same burst and quickness to create separation um he's a great 50 50 receiver we've seen that in detroit I think you kind of use him in kind of the the short intermediate game and 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 in the red zone. He's just a big body you can throw up the ball to um, and create mismatches. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they used him in a little bit of the game plan more, just because he is a veteran receiver. Um, do I think he's going to be a game changer? No, but I would like to see him as an extra target for Daniel Jones. Like I said, in the red zone, um, short distances, just to get a big body to throw the ball to. Um, to get there. I mean, I, I think he could be something. I'm not expecting a huge game from him, but, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be surprised with just how he played last week. He looked a little bit more gassed up and fired up, maybe because he knows that his, his time's limited yeah. here with the Giants or, you know, whatever the case, he's trying to get something on the on, on film. I don't know, but I, I would like to see him, like I said, just use as a big body target, um, you know, for Daniel um, just because, you know, the lack of, of talent that we have, you know, Isaiah Hodges is arguably our best receiver right now, other than Darius Slayton. I mean, that's two names that aren't huge. So, you know, maybe he shines, but like I said, I think it has to be in some unique packages. Um, okay. Be there. Uh, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I would like and, to see him a little bit more. And obviously we, if beyond everything, we need Saquon to have a great game. Yeah. He needs to rush over a hundred yards. He needs to get, you know, a solid 15 to 20 rushes. And if Saquon can have a good game, then obviously what do we have to worry about? And also on the defensive side, how if you can defeat Justin Jefferson, then you can defeat this team. Justin Jefferson was the reason, I mean, well, the reason why after that 61-yard field goal is why we lost. But Justin Jefferson gave that offense so many opportunities against us a few weeks ago. Do you think the Giants are going to make the proper adjustments? And do you think our defensive backs can stop him over everything this week? Yeah, last thing that I'll let everyone chime in. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I think just getting a Dory back is great. I think, mm-hmm. me personally, I think Landon Collins is going to be an X factor. I know a lot of people are talking about him, but I, I really think he is truly going to be that where you can have pretty much a seventh or you know, another DB out on the field. But I know he plays linebacker, but you can have him in packages shadowing uh jefferson as well or covering hoxton to let this other safeties kind of you know try to limit justin jefferson with a dory so i i think you have to look out and see what wink draws up but i think their main thing is not let justin jefferson beat us um yeah 
like I said, we did that like all out blitz at the end of that game, and he Kirk just kind of flailed it and Justin made the catch to get them into the 61 yard field grants. I think they're trying to eliminate that. Um, and just gonna be bendo don't break. And yeah, like they said, chime in on 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 Justin Jefferson. I know they have a lot of good receivers, they have Hodgson, they have Thielen, they have a lot of good talent. But the key thing is limit Justin Jefferson as much as they can because he he really is the key guy uh to get his offense going. And I think the Giants getting healthy at the right time now. I think they're gonna try to game plan that and I think they can pull it off. And let's believe in Daniel Jones. So um, I'll make my – I'll start in the reverse. I'll start with Justin Jefferson. So in the mid-2000s, Ray Lewis was – and the Ravens were playing the Bengals after Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco, had a phenomenal season and was off like a 100-yard, two-touchdown game. And he went over the middle. I was actually saw this a couple of days ago. He went over the middle on a slant route, and Ray Lewis put his helmet through Chad Johnson his body through Chad Johnson, and that set the tone for the entire game. That you are not getting easy yards. You are not breaking through and going up and, you know, making a couple people miss and going off for big touchdowns. Um, With the addition of Adoree Jackson back, you have the outside there. You could handle him, you know, you could handle him on on the deep balls, hopefully. But it comes from if he goes over the middle, you have to punish him for that. Now, I'm not saying hurt him or anything like that. Obviously, we know about health. We're not doing that. But you have to be physical with Justin Jefferson because of his style of play. If you are not physical with him, he will be – he's a finesse kind of guy. He will make you miss. You cannot miss. You have to be physical with him. Um, When it comes to Kenny Galladay, um, I think Kenny Galladay was probably one of the biggest um, busts um, in offseason, you know, free agency, not because of his production, because of – you picked a you picked a square to fit in a circle hole. Remember that game in kindergarten? You got a deep threat that Matt Stafford loved, who is a deep ball thrower, and you put him in a system with a quarterback that cannot throw the deep ball. And you expected him to have the same exact production when on Detroit, his whole entire job was deep deep routes, intermediate at best, never really a short route guy unless, you know, on a third and short, and that was the number one receiver, he gets the ball. So you ask someone to do something that they're not good at with their quarterback that is not capable not capable of the deep ball, and this is where you're at. It's on him, too. He probably dogged it a little bit and gave up last season. So be it. Um, but, yeah, I think they should utilize him in this game. I think they're going to miss Kedarius Tony, um, him um, getting traded, because that's a gadget kind of guy that against Minnesota – with a weak defense where you can throw short and he can make a few people miss and that would be a key player. But I think they have enough guys that are serviceable on the field to make some plays. Um, I think they should utilize their backup running back, Matt Breda, who is, who is very serviceable on the 49ers throughout his career in the passing game outside of Barkley just to get some rest. But the, you know, the key to them is going to be, you know, like always run the ball, run the ball, run the ball and play action you know, to, uh, you know, Hodgins, Slayton over the middle, or De- uh, Bellinger, the tight end. You know, if you could continue to make those third down conversions with the tight end and Bellinger, you could control the clock. And you have the winning recipe um, a few weeks ago where you lost to Minnesota. You lost to them there. You have no reason to to lose again here. It's all, you know, you're in house money technically this season, but this is a very winnable game for you. And the way I think about it is, is this, it's 4.30 Eastern time. But it's like one o'clock, right? 
uh, in Minnesota or something like that? What's I think the time it's three difference? o'clock. It's, it's like three, three o'clock. Hour. All right, all right yeah. an hour. All right, an hour. Okay, all right. So it's one o'clock. So you might have some issues. Okay, but you know what? <laughs> the sun might go. It's winter time. The sun's gonna go down eventually. The nighttime will creep in. Kirk Cousins throws a pick or two, and you have a chance. You definitely, you have. You definitely have a chance. So I don't know if Desmond wants to take this one or not, but I'll I'll just jump in here. I um, so obviously I've been the resident apologist all year. Uh, this game is not at one o'clock. We've we've already recounted that, but um, I'm gonna stick with Minnesota in a in a in a, in a close game. I I picked this Boo. one. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I the, I expect this one to be the shootout for the weekend, something like 38-35. I know the spread currently mm. is three, but I mean this could either. You know, it, it's a field goal game, so the Giants could win by a field goal or Minnesota could pull it out. But I just think that these teams that have magic runs, they 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 want a close game. They kind of salivate for it, and I think that this is going to be a lot of the same. I expect the crowd to be raucous and, and involved, and I think that – I think the one thing for, for the Giants is that if that um, – if that 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 front four and um, – whatever package they throw out there on the defense, if they can kind of contain and, um, you know, shut down Dalvin Cook in the first half, I think they have a chance to really put pressure on Kirk Cousins to get out of his element and start, you know, you know, not thinking and, and making, um, you know, poor judgment calls and plays. So I think that that would be a great starting point on the defensive side of the ball to kind it's, of it's pretty simple. make them one-dimensional, you know. Um, but it is so pretty I guess, simple. You know, you know, short story long, I have, you know, Minnesota by a field goal and a toss up, but I could see this game going either way. This was the more difficult game to pick this weekend. That's what works when your team is in it on those close spreads. Yeah, I um, I like the Giants here. Selfishly, I want the Giants to win for multiple reasons. Uh, I don't want to see the Cowboys or the Buccaneers in the second round. Uh, So I kind of want the Giants to win personally, but I also think they're going. So I think their offense has been great the last few weeks. I think they, like I was kind of saying before, they kind of got the blueprint about how to face this team. The first time they faced them 27 to 24 is a very close game. I think the Kirk Cousins phenomenon is real. I know that Daniel Jones only won his first primetime game just recently. So it's kind of a, who wants to actually step up in this kind of a moment moment. But, um, I'm feeling more of a low scoring game, kind of like a 21 20 nail biter, but those games favor the giants. I think um, the the blueprint for the Vikings is simple. You take Justin Jefferson out of the equation, Kirk cousins is going to just melt. So if the giants can do that, they have this game. And, and one right. last, one last thing real quick. I want to say with Brian that Daniel can't throw the deep ball. He can throw the deep ball. It was just that the previous administration was just too conservative. So I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the giants take a shot here. They do take a deep ball. Daniel does have the arm, but for some reason they just never trusted it in these last few regimes. And this year they just been no, I know, and not trying to not thing. trying to kill themselves. Yeah, yeah, but, no, it, it's a thing. It's just like, do you trust him because of how little he's done it? Yeah, true. It's a fair you know I mean, like they're not played. They're not designing plays for the deep yeah. ball, the, yeah, the hockey, and they're yeah. not, they're not practicing Kenny Galladay. You know, fifty yard de- uh, go route. They're not doing that. That's that's you know what I mean. Like they're going. You know, they're going off a of Dabble's offense, and you know, it, it maybe that just doesn't incorporate that, but you know, this could be if any, if this, if this season is anything like what we have seen, where Daniel Jones has proved all of us wrong, 
why not show your great arm you have in this your playoff first playoff game of, the, of your career? You got nothing to lose. You go home regardless of the yeah. fact if you if you throw the deep ball or not in a loss. So just you know, sling it out there and let's see what happens. But hey, man, let's earn it. Let's earn it. Let's have some magic and show some resiliency. Go big blue. Selfishly on that, it's going to be a good game regardless. And then on Sunday night, we have the Baltimore Ravens going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. Lamar Jackson is not in. Did they rule him out yet or no? He's still not practicing. He hasn't been practicing, but at this point, you haven't practiced in six weeks. It's already about to be the end of the week. It seems that he's likely not going to play this game. So you're going to trust everything on Anthony Brown. Okay, so we'll give that one. We'll see if uh, this this is a, a special story, but probably not going to be close, to be honest. We have Cincinnati opening at minus seven, where the Bengals still stay in cool, comma, collective, and uh, they have everything going right in a great season for them. Um, I think this is pretty, again, self-explanatory. Cincinnati is going to def- defeat them. And in the season that many people don't really take this Baltimore Ravens team seriously on both sides of the ball. And if we want to talk now about Lamar Jackson, what's been taking so long, people thought he was going to be back weeks ago. Whether this is, you know, his uh, contract dispute low-key or what. In fact, I- I'll make that the conversation to start. Is, is Lamar... I'm I'm not I don't want to discredit anybody injured because you know I'm not a doctor. We're not experts here. And I'm not going to ask the question, is he faking it? But I'm going to ask why was it projected that he was going to come back sooner on what so happened to be a contract year after playing like an MVP in the first half of the season. And he's just not stepping up for whatever reason. And especially on an injury like this one that has taken so much time to heal. Some people say, hey, if it was, hey, if this was a playoff game, it'd probably come back, but he's not. Hence could be, hence, hence shows the theory that he is legitimately hurt. But Lamar Jackson not playing. What is it? Is it real? Is it fake? Phony what? Well, I'll I want to go this... first on this one. If y'all don't yeah, mind. go. Um, yeah, I've been going last so far this week. At first, I want to tell everyone that I apologize for the lack of commentary. It's for one reason. Uh, half the games this week are going to be unwatchable. I'm sorry. I just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> this is a shitty wild card weekend for the NFL. Uh, I project or I, I am giving a new idea for the NFL. You go to eight teams in each conference mm-hmm. and you give the top two teams the bye so that we have three versus eight, you know, four versus seven, five versus six. I think that'd be the better wild card scenario going forward, playoff scenario going forward. Cause these games are, some of these are just laughers, you know, without Lamar Jackson, this game, this game will be over at halftime, like the Seahawks 49ers game, like the bills offense game, just, just terrible games. As far as Lamar's injury is concerned, you know, Ryan Clark spoke about this earlier this week where he was talking about having a similar injury years ago and saying that it took him about like, six or seven weeks before he felt right again, but that even after getting back on the field, he never felt good the entire season. Now, this is a quarterback who we've all criticized his arm talent. He relies on his athleticism and he's playing for a contract. You know, if you are in a place where you feel like you're kind of just eh, on a team that won't invest in you, 
why do you feel the need to go back out there and put your career on the line if you were to get it re-injured while it's still kind of in this in-between stage for a franchise that won't invest in you? It'd be smarter to just, you know, people are going to be mad at you in Baltimore, but it sounds like Baltimore doesn't even want you there anyway. Just invest in yourself. Sit this week. Don't play. The fans are going to be angry, but you're probably out of Baltimore anyway, and you're probably just trying to like get yourself a good contract somewhere else after this. So that's how I feel about that. Cincinnati rolls over the Ravens this week. <laughs> that's a that's a mouthful. We're gonna we're gonna overhaul <laughs> the playoff system, and we're yes. gonna get two teams in here. And Lamar's out of town. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? I didn't say that much the rest of the episode. So here we are. Just no, no. I, just, I, I agree with I agree with all that. A lot to digest at once. That's all. I agree with all that completely. Like it makes sense. <laughs> I think you know. I I personally wish they went back to the six teams in the playoffs and not seven because like seven and eight are just mediocre football teams. Like it's a waste. Like they didn't they, like Seattle does not deserve to be here. Neither do the Ravens. The Ravens defense does because the Ravens defense is playing its ass off and keep kept this team alive. Um, but when it comes to like Lamar Jackson, yeah, he should not play at all. They haven't given him the money. We look look at the Dak Prescott injury. The Dak Prescott injury went really bad. He could have missed more time the next season. Luckily, he didn't for Dallas, but. He got paid because of Jerry, but what in another organization, he probably doesn't get paid. We see players all the time get hurt and not be able to play. But then I'm going to do devil's advocate. Here's the football player in me. Phillip Rivers played an AFC championship game on a torn ACL. On a torn ACL. Here's the issue, though. Lamar Jackson isn't a quarterback. He's an athlete, and he hasn't developed enough as a passer where he cannot use his athletic ability to make plays. Now, if Lamar Jackson had a little, a couple of more weapons on the, at the receiver position and could sit in the pocket and really throw the ball like, you know, a pocket passer kind of quarterback and not have to rely on the knee, and, knee, which is injured, yes, he probably could play them. But because of him being such a dynamic athlete and him, you know, he is a quarterback, he can throw, but he's an athlete first and then he throws second. That's his style. And I respect that. Everyone has a way to win. But due to that, that's where the injury comes into play because, you know, you don't want to see an RG3 incident happen mm. with this guy where he never recovers. That's the I, you know, I'm a Dallas. I was watching the Redskins, that Redskins game. It was, I felt so bad for a player watching a career die because of an injury of Gil going out there, getting hurt and never being the same. So he's doing the right thing. He shouldn't play. He doesn't have the money. But this is where you have to work on things where if he was in the right situation, you know, he needs to lean on the quarterback, you know, his arm and just, you know, wear the knee brace and take a few hits and not move around and still be able to be serviceable. Because right now, that kid Anthony Brown at the QB3, he's just, he's literally he's 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 a dummy to hold the ball and give it to Dobbins and Edwards. In my opinion, they shouldn't even keep him there. They should just do wildcat the entire game because they have no offense. They cut the second best receiver to Sean Jackson at the age of 55, but who was actually getting separation on deep routes. Like it's like they literally, I think they tried to like actually tank towards the end once Lamar was out so they don't make the playoffs and get a better pick because they didn't try. They didn't do any upgrades. They could have got a guy like James Washington off waivers or something like that. Just service people, serviceable people and receivers around the league. They just didn't try this season. And you know what? This is what they get. They're going to get shellacked by the Bengals. And, you know, it's possible that the, the top, you know, the number one, two, and three receivers on the Bengals might all go above 75 receiving yards on this team. Not even, because the def- not even because the defense is bad. The, de- the, Brown, the, Brown, the Ravens defense might be on the field 
you know, three quarters of this entire game just because of how awful that offense is. Oh, man, I'm feeling a lot of hate watching for this game. But, hey. <laughs> I, mean, I don't you just watch the highlights. I mean, we know how this game's going to end. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't say, like, it's Lamar sitting out for his contract. I, I just don't see him as that type of player. I, I, I do see him protecting himself. And like you guys said, he's an athlete. He doesn't have a great arm. He has a decent arm. But if he doesn't trust his first instinct when he can't get the ball out with his body, then how is he going to trust himself on the field? And like I said, and Brian brought it up, like the key person I thought about this was RG3, which was the team didn't let him protect himself. And he went out there and he destroyed his knee and he was never the same. And his confidence was all down. We never saw the same guy. He was to me, one of the most electric rookies I've ever seen live on a football field. The guy was insane. Um, just so much talent, but then he blew his knee out and then just didn't have confidence in his arm anymore. And it is what it is. And it's unfortunate. Um, and that's what I think that could be what Lamar is thinking. It's like, if I go out here and I'm at like 50% and God forbid my knee slams to the ground and I mess up my PCL more, or I do something far worse than one amount of a contract. I don't have the protection and my money, the way the money's going down. And, and two, like, what did I do this for? Because it seems like we said the Ravens haven't been like, yeah, we are going to do whatever it takes to get him. It seems like they're going to let him go out there and hear offers, which I don't know why the guys won you an MVP. He's a great talent. We all know what he can do. I don't know why they didn't try to lock him up. And teams are going to bid for him, and he could leave. So, you know, I think it's 50-50. I don't see him as a type of player to just be like, yeah, no, this is my contract dispute now at this moment. I think he just kind of won thinking ahead. Um, and if his knee is not acting up and that's his first thing is to run – he should protect himself. I and, and and we see it now with the NBA with players lifting lead with players coming back to it from injury and they they mess themselves up. Look at Devin Booker with the Suns came back from a groin injury too early. He's out for yeah. four weeks and now that Sun that team is in limbo, right? Like no one knows what the Suns, yeah. that team is the play. Look at Anthony That's Davis, Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Davis. Yeah, last three seasons, yeah. you know, if Same he rested thing. a little he's more, made a, he's made a glass. He's made a yeah. glass. He's made a glass anyway, but he would rush <laughs> himself back on the the field because the pressure of being a Laker and getting content, and then he would mess up his ankle again or whatever the case might be it happens and, and you see it sometimes in the nfl too you know where a player comes back a little too early and then they go to make a cut like receiver or something go to make a cut boom now they're out six weeks and they're you know so you know i know this is an initial injury where a lot of people said he was going to be back sooner but everyone's body is different and like i said if he doesn't trust it how is he going to go on the field and think he can just gun it up and up and down the field and try to win this game if he just doesn't you know feel right so uh it's a little it's a little weird um i don't think he's playing this week um he's not but no. but yeah but it's just i i don't think it's like a contract demand thing i think it's just that he doesn't trust his body to go out there in order to play and it's unfortunate but you know sometimes well, things like that happens i want to i want to i want to i want to get off the binary thinking i think it's probably both i think he's trying to preserve himself for the contract but also understands that he's probably not even close to 75% healthy anyway. I think that the, the RG3 conversation is, is an apt comparison, but there was more to that. I think he was definitely more 50-50 pocket passer with wheels, whereas Lamar feels like a running back who can throw. And it's, it's a very different thing because Lamar is far more elusive than RG3 ever was. He had an issue with with um, uh, with um get with getting, getting down, getting out of bounds and, and avoiding hits. 
Um, he didn't really know how to slide as well in addition to the knees, which kind of brought on a lot of those injuries. I think the contract thing, um, you know, th th these players, I think decades as decades go by, they become more aware of their financial situation and they kind of have a better preparedness in the decade and the generation past. And I just think that if you're serious about your career as, you know, a quarterback, whether you're a pocket passer or you're a hybrid or a running, you know, a run first, as we're going to see the next decade, I think that you just, you have to evolve. And I think that you have to have a duality to your game. You have to add it earlier on um, instead of just being, you know, remedial looking back in hindsight. And I think that for him not developing, developing his passing game through the system that they set up for him day one, as soon as that he was put into the system, I think that that really hurt him and, and, and put him behind the eight ball um, as this, you know, system progressed. So, you know, this is all a long way of saying that I think that his time in Baltimore is over, especially if he doesn't get this new contract, but you could definitely feel that division with the organization, the way that he's kind of responding by holding out going into this playoff game, because no one's holding him accountable for showing up, you know, um, coming up short in years past in the playoffs. I understand it's a collective game. It's a team game, but he has to bear the onus of that responsibility eventually and pay that bill. If he's going to be the, 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 the leader and the face of this franchise. I'll make one more comment. Um, just what I've seen with like PCL injuries, um, Ezekiel Elliott um, mm -hmm. damages PCL last season and he played through it and he's not the same running back and never will be the same running back ever again. Um, he's lost complete explosion. Um, he's basically only good within 20 yards. He gets, he gets like three and a half yards a clip. Now it, the juice is gone. So I understand a guy like Lamar Jackson who relies on that breaking through the first level, making one cut and flying past a linebacker. You need the explosion. You need the acceleration. You need the burst. So I under, I understand the preservation on it completely. Mm. Funny how this works. We, we can all agree. Yep. Oh, just the last point, because I, I know I said a lot in the one segment, but I, I, I do want to kind of come to a consensus that as the more we talk about discussing these injuries, you know, um, with Apple to Apple's players, just kind of also step back and realize that these are very individual players. They have different medical backgrounds and different, um, you know, um, hit, uh, injury history. So it's like we can talk, you know, in 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 the subjective about like, well, if this is to be on schedule with this recovery, then this should be the time frame. It's like that would be great on paper in a perfect world, but it, it this is real world, real life. It's different. Yeah, look look at Adrian Peterson. He I was just gonna eight, say that. Yeah, yeah. complete ACL tear in like six months, and he yeah. led the league in rushes. And, like, and Odell's still not back in the in a year after the fact. Like, it's just yeah. yeah. Everybody is literally different. So, good point on that one. And yeah, we all agree that the Bengals are going to win this game. Oh, yeah. It was more about the Ravens talking about their future, their quarterback. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, let me announce something, ladies, gentlemen, and people alike, regarding the final game that we're going to discuss right here, right now. For the first time ever, we are going to host the productive cast. The Productive Football Cast. We'll come up with a more catchy name after. But we are live streaming this game on the Productive Conversations YouTube page. That is product at Productive underscore Conversations on YouTube. Again, the YouTube channel is at Productive underscore Conversations. That's our YouTube page. We're starting at 8 p.m. And then at 8.30, we're going to see the Dallas Cowboys 
and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers battle it out. And you're going to have all five of us. We're going to have the comment section open, and we're going to live stream this game together. It's going to be a special time. Again, we'll come up with a more catchy name soon. But this, the Productive NFL cast. They already took Manning cast. They already took the LeBron cast. But Productive NFL cast. Please, please come. Please send me uh, more catchy names if you want. But bottom line, we're going to live stream this game, and you don't want to miss it again. That is at Productive underscore Conversations live streaming this game at 8 p.m. Monday night. So with this matchup, Cowboys are going to Tampa Bay. The Cowboys open at minus two and a half. The Cowboys are the favorites in this one. I think that's going to piss off Brian because he hates his Cowboys, but he could defend it one way or the other. But with this matchup, we have Tom Brady, who is 7-0 against the Dallas Cowboys in his career. We have the Cowboys who were embarrassed in Washington on their last game of the season. As we talked about Brandon Staley's job on the line, people think Mike McCarthy's job is on the line in this game. And this is definitely the most interesting matchup on paper. And I think it could go either way. And Desmond wasn't wrong. There are weak matchups coming into wildcard weekend this year. If it was anything like last year, which every single game could have been a classic, hopefully that could be the case. But maybe most likely this is the case. Monday night, everybody's watching. Buck and Aikman, it's going to be a lot of fun. And most importantly, us. So with this matchup, though, where do we see this going? Is Tom Brady just going to snap into being one of the greatest of all time as he usually is? Will he be able to knock out the Cowboys? Can Dak Prescott finally get a playoff win under his belt? What's going to happen here, guys? Let's give it to the Cowboys fan first. Okay, so Dak has one playoff win against Seattle. I'll tell you oh, that. Excuse um, me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, like um, if I was more, if I was, if I had to be afraid of any team to play, um, besides the 49ers in the NFC, it would have been the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why? Simple. Uh, Tom Brady's undefeated against uh the Cowboys. He's beat them every single time. He's beaten Dak um th- three times now. Um, Dak Prescott is at, never has always lost to Tom Brady. Um, and he has had a very very big turnover season this year lead led the league in turnovers and only played like 12 games uh that's a problem um but you know is should we win this game absolutely we have the better roster we have the better defense um defensive front they have a better secondary um we have a better offensive line at the moment um they have better skill positions in my opinion but you know with coach, I think we have that better hand at coaching. But yet again, they have Tom Brady. So Evan, any given Sunday, I'm never, you know, there's two things in sports. I'll never bet against LeBron James, and I'll never bet against Tom Brady. So I'm an optimistic Cowboy fan. We should beat them. But I think that if it's a close game and Tom Brady's given the ball in a two-minute drill, we'll lose that, that game. That's just how it is. Um, Especially with us, our secondary's hurt right now. And this team has phenomenal skill positions in Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, even Russell Gage and Julio Jones. They're serviceable in the roles that they have. Rashad White and Leonard Fournette are great in the passing game. So, you know, um, it's this is the worst position we could be um, with our injuries right now on defense. So it's going to come down to, in my opinion, controlling the clock, Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott, you know, converting on, you know, short yardage, running that clock out. 
and our front seven on giving pressure to Brady. He's a he's a you know he's a statue now. He's old. He's brittle. You got to get three sacks on him. It's that simple. Michael Parsons, you know, he's been in a slump lately. He's been hurt a little bit. You know, you got to you got to have the you got to have the Lawrence Taylor game. I need to see two to two sacks, a forced fumble, a pick. I need to see something. And the other guys, Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams, OC in the middle, Nevin Gallimore. You got to make plays. It's time. This is, you know, Dallas is all, always about, oh, the regular season, we do great. And then they go to the playoffs and they get the rest. It's time, you know, time to just make plays. You, you know, you have been undisciplined for a while. Be disciplined. And this is where it falls on Mike McCarthy. He has to be the head coach that we hired that brought, you know, Green Bay to a Super Bowl. It is time. Like, if, in my opinion, if Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat the entire playoffs, if Mike McCarthy does not make it to the Super Bowl, he's going to be on the hot seat and people will be talking about it. If he loses the NFC Championship, he'll get fired. This man, um, with the dysfunction in discipline and terrible play calling by the offensive coordinator the entire season to the point that, you know, McCarthy's had to have to sit with Kellen Moore and talk about play calling. You know, the Bucks, the buck ends at the head coach. And there's been excuses given, excuses given. You know, it's Jerry's guy. He's a yes man. But if they don't pull this win out, he has to go. So on that note, Tampa Bay by a field goal. Man, you got to pick your own team. Come on, man. <laughs> no, I mean, if you've, if you've noticed, I pick Tampa. I pick other teams, you know, that I think are worse, but they have a chance and we do well. So, you know, I pick, I pick. Oh, it's a reverse psychology Titan. thing. I picked that we, beat the, we were going to beat the Titans and, you know, it's we mass- almost lost to the Titans. So I do the reverse. It's All mass- right. It's the reverse jinx there. Okay. Um, yes. I think the Cowboys got gifted, you know, a late Christmas present with this matchup because the best formula for the Cowboys to win is to keep the ball like in the hands of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott. If they can be a run heavy team, that is their best formula to win. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have struggled against the run all year long. So having that be your plan in this game benefits you. It also limits Tom Brady's time on the field, even though that offense has been kind of like anemic this whole season this game is set up for Dallas to win big. It really is. Like it, it's a game that they could only lose if they just shoot themselves in the foot, which not they're not above doing. But yeah. I really they're think known, that they're known to playing to their opponent. Mm, we have to remember yeah. this. I I think that the Buccaneers really are like the perfect setup team for the for the four Niners. I disagree slightly with the McCarthy angle. I think if they make it to the NFC Championship game, which they have not been to since the 1990s, I think that he'd be safe just so they could have that bragging right going into the next season. But yeah, if they lose in the first, second round, I think McCarthy's out of there. But the Cowboys should win this game. It would be hilarious if they don't. I will laugh. I will post memes. But they should win this game. And I think that the Cowboys will win this game. I think the Buccaneers just do not have a good enough offense to score on anyone's defense enough points. Not, not in these playoff games. I mean, if the Buccaneers score, score more than 20 points, I will give each of you $5 come next week. So it, it, it's it's baffling to me here that we might actually be picking the Buccaneers with how bad they've been this season. It, it has to be the Cowboys. But yes, I will laugh if they lose. I just, it's, a, it's, it's you know, you can't bet 
get bet against Brady, in my opinion, because Brady is he... three thousand years old now, and his team is and, not and what he used to be. He's always had yeah, a great I, team around him, but his team is not that, that great. Look anymore. at the Carolina game, though. Look at the Carolina game. The Carolina's defense and Dallas's defense has been playing basically the same the last last five weeks of the season. I understand and that, but division games are a little different. You know, like I mean, there's familiarity there. Yeah, this is Tom Brady's owned us for his entire career. He's only entire... played you guys once every four years when he was a Patriot. That's it's all not right, a it's great a set. Stat. It's all right, seven games. He's only been in division for three years. It's basically the same thing. Um, here's my question though: If Dak Prescott has a bad game, do you have questions in the offseason? I know you. I mean, you him. have to. I mean, you paid yeah. him that much money, and you only have one playoff win. Like you have to just compare yourself against your other contemporaries. How's Josh Allen doing? How's Patrick Mahomes doing? How's Joe Burrow doing? Like these are the other like great quarterbacks in the nfl if you can't keep up with them then i mean you are the cowboys you gotta you're supposed to be like all about championships so if you can't win playoff games everyone's job security is at stake agreed yeah um like like you guys know there's two things i normally don't do bet over 10 and a half and bet against tom brady uh but this is one instance where i am going to bet against tom brady just because uh i just haven't like what I've seen from the team. Uh, I, I think Dallas is better on paper. I think if their defense shows up, and I agree with Brian Parsons, need a Lawrence Taylor-esque game. He needs to show that. Um, the, the Cowboys need to follow, and I know it's years ago, but the Giants' blueprint against Brady in the playoffs, which is just make him feel pressure. Hit him. Get him on the ground a few times. Then he gets him off his rhythm. And with this team, I think that can easily happen. And if you get this Bucks team off the rhythm, they are terrible. And yeah. I think that's why I think going into this, if the Cowboys come with a game plan, they get pressure early and get everyone things off script. I think they'll have an easy chance to win this game. But if they don't do that and they don't show up, then yeah, Brady's probably going to be his old self and throw laser passes all day and carve up <laughs> this defense. But I think the Cowboys are going to win this one. They should win this one. If they don't, people need to get fired, uh, which they probably will. And I would laugh, like like Desmond said. Um, and just yeah. to Brian with your question, yeah, if Dak doesn't show up, yeah, you have that question in the offseason because you're paying this guy a boatload of money and he's had one playoff win, like Desmond said. And you have to compare him to everyone else. Exactly what Desmond said. So I agree exactly what Desmond said. If he doesn't show up and he looks terrible, uh, throws multiple picks, is the reason why this team loses, then, yeah, you really have to look into this offseason on what you're going to do with the future with Dak. I got at least like five to ten memes ready just in case the Cowboys lose, though. I got I got them ready. Locked and loaded. Don't forget to send them my way. All, all, <laughs> I, all I ask is you send them to me first so I can be the first one to laugh. Mm. I will tag you in them on Instagram. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the greatest cuck moments ever. So I got I got um Tampa winning a tight one, like 20 to 16. Mm. Um sorry to bury the lead, but uh I think you know, for Dallas, like the key is obviously like what Desmond said, you know, you want to get Zeke and Pollard to kind of command time of possession, get them about 150 at a minimum combined throughout the game for yards. I, I, I see this as Dan Quinn's time to shine. I think that when there's absence, when there's a vacuum of leaders, you know, in terms of like, you know, coaching and status, I, I see this as kind of Dan Quinn's kind of calling card for a game to kind of put his stamp on this game. I, I, I don't see McCarthy. I see him kind of as like a guy on the train, um, you know, coming along for the ride, regardless of whether he gets fired or stays. 
in a continuation of uh, this Dallas Cowboys organization, because I think ultimately, as Jerry is still at the top of the helm, I still think that he wants someone under his thumb as his coaching apparatus. So regardless of what happens, I think that this is Dan Quinn's game um, to really put his stamp on things and, you know, keep um, keep Tampa struggling offense under control. And um, the, the only the only cause for concern for me um, is for that da- for particularly for Dallas keeping this game close is who's going to cover Mike Evans because we've had a secondary discussion all year about how there's a vacuum in that secondary. Um, you have issues on the corners with Dallas, and I think that that's going to be a real opportunity for um, for Tampa to um, to you know kind of kind of pull a quick strike somewhere here in the game. I, I would kind of expect it early um, just to kind of get them on their toes and set the tone. But, um, yeah, this is going to be the closest game. Uh, I, I see it almost look like an inverse of the Giants-Minnesota game, but still competitive as fuck. Um, I I expect Tampa to win tight because I just don't get bet against Brady. But, Brian, for advice, I would happily encourage you to bet against LeBron because there's really uh, – there's no recourse for that. Yeah, I, I'm, in, I'm in prime prime LeBron in that situation. <laughs> um I'll make this this idea um, when, it, you know, you said who's going to guard Mike Evans. I think of whoever is guarding Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, whoever that other receiver is, you know, one, you know, I, Trayvon Diggs is going to guard one of them. I hope, I me personally, I would like him to guard Chris Godwin because he is, you know, I think the killer to our team because he gets, he converts short yardage and first downs. He's the slant guy. You know, you could put an average cornerback on Mike Evans and, you know, at worst, you could pull him down and get a P.I. And we have another down to live at the goal line, which I would happily play against against that Tampa Bay offense. Then Chris Godwin getting eight yards, 13 yards, 15 yards, 16 yards, because that's all he does. He, you know, his stat, Chris Godwin's stat lines are always, you know, seven catches, 85 yards, a touchdown. You know, Mike Evans is two catches, 75 yards. You know what I mean? So it's like where, you know, my best cornerback has to be on the guy that's getting the conversions, mm-hmm. you know, put an average guy, you know, a ball hawk kind of guy on Mike Evans who could at least just go up for the ball on a 50-50. Maybe even a bigger guy like a safety. This is my second favorite game of the weekend, uh, followed closely by uh, the Chargers-Jaguars. I think that's going to be the best game of the weekend. I know, that, I know, Matt, you didn't ask me that question, but I just want to throw, <laughs> throw that out there anyway. Yeah, I think this I is going to be the top. You. I think it's the top three. I think it's Giants, Minnesota, Chargers, Jaguars, and this game for sure. I didn't I, say I, Giants, Vikings because I think that's going to be a low-scoring game. Well, we're we're live streaming it for a reason, aren't we? So I think this is going to be a lot of fun for it. I think this game might have the biggest impact on the NFL, to be honest with you, because it's the phony Dallas Cowboys throughout the last five <laughs> seasons. The way I think about it, they're fool's gold every year. Um, they think they're good and then they blow it. Um, could they go get over the hump? Could Dak Prescott answer the questions of the fan base? Um, is he worth the money? Um, can Tom Brady still be Tom Brady? Um, is this Buccaneers team just lazy the entire season and a little bit injury prone, but they get their act together, you know, somehow? There's a lot, you know, is it a passing the torch kind of game? You know, it's this is I, one of the most crucial games, I think, of the year, in my opinion. Because you get you got a lot of question questions answered. You know, Ezekiel Elliott is just a decline. If he has a big game, you know, a throwback game, could he mm-hmm. continue to play the way he has? Yeah, Brady I, already I, has his tickets to to Las Vegas stamped. Everyone, I'm sorry. 
Oh, okay. Well, Ooh. we already jumped into it, so I'm just gonna put my stamp on that that uh, little bit of um, controversy. I think that after the season's over, I expect Aaron to go to San Fran, and I expect Brady to go to the Raiders. That's just me, but I agree. There's gonna be some good <laughs> off-season talk with Please that. Please God, no. Yeah. Although they should keep Brock Purdy because the man has done great. Yeah, yeah, safety blanket, absolutely. Ooh, they should train. And he's probably lines. a better man for the locker room too, because he's not going to bring that huge ego with him like Rogers would. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I stayed. I I stayed um nice and quiet like a gentleman for the past five weeks while Matt lambasted me in the in the group chat. But I'm I'm smiling tonight, so I'm good. I'm all set. That's right, hey man. The Raiders That's got right. a good top ten pick coming. <laughs> Can get yourself a nice a nice cornerback or a safety. That's what you need. They're going to be having a lot of top picks to squander in the next few years, as long as McDaniels is still at the helm. It's going to be very good. And um, for what it's worth, I think it's going to be a close game, Dallas and the Bucks. But I think I'm going to go on Brian's side and say that I think the Buccaneers pull off in a weird game that doesn't make any sense. And that Tom Brady can sneak in at least one more playoff win on his record. But um, they'll have a much tougher divisional matchup. But as we say, there's nothing really special about this Buccaneers team. I reckon mm-hmm. they went hard against the Panthers in their final in their second to last game, as you said, than getting beat by Atlanta in the final game of the season. But they're a mess. They've been up and down. Um, and some people think that this team doesn't deserve it. Probably the weakest division winner. But on the contrary, the Cowboys have had some really ugly losses in the last you know 20 years in the last uh, decade especially and i just don't see where things make sense for them and if this is going to be how it is brady wins again and people get on the hype train for him and he'll come up short in the divisional matchup but it's going to be fun and as we said we're going to be right here with you for it so don't forget to check us out monday night 8 p.m youtube at Productive Understore Conversations or just write Productive Conversations Podcast on your search bar, uh, on your search bar, on your YouTube page, and you'll see us and we'll be ready to go. Watch that little live emoji bug type of thing that says this is going live and check us out for that. 8 p.m. Productive Conversations YouTube page. Check us out as the game starts at 8.30. So with that, Wild Card Weekend predictions are signed, sealed, and delivered and it's going to be a lot of fun, gentlemen. We'll see you on Monday, and then we'll see you on Tuesday for our reaction to these games and preview of the divisional matchups. All right. Thank you so much, Brian McKeon, Alex Young, Desmond Price, and Alex Ranelio. Good times ahead. See you on Monday, everybody. 8 p.m. YouTube. Take care. See you guys. Those are my guys, Brian, Alex, Alex, and Desmond. Great job, gentlemen. Can't wait to live stream with you guys this Monday. And again, Monday, 8 p.m., Productive Conversations YouTube page is going to be the place where we do our first ever live stream. We're going to watch the Buccaneers and the Cowboys face off against each other in the wild card round. We're going to watch it together. We're going to have some fun. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some comments, and we're going to just enjoy an awesome experience together. You do not want to miss it again. 8 p.m. on our YouTube page. 
It's going to be really special. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasted platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show on ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com. And don't forget to check us out in the world of social media on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at ProdComoPod, on TikTok at Productive Conversations. So we will see you on Monday for our live stream. We will see you next Tuesday reacting to all of the wild card games and preview the divisional matchups ahead. And we're going to go on this roller coaster of a ride known as the NFL postseason. And we're going to have a lot of fun doing it. Then, after the postseason is over, back to normal, usual programming, having productive conversations with people from all over in various ways and acts of life. And we will start posting some of those episodes once the season ends. We'll get into some NBA coverage, college basketball coverage as well, maybe even some hockey, some postseason, some off-season NFL conversations are definitely going to take place. And we'll also look ahead to the MLB postseason. So we have our regular productive conversations with interesting people from all over. We have our sports coverage as well. Oscar season's ahead and we will do all our Oscar coverage like we did last year as well. We have a very busy winter, but we're going to enjoy each and every second of it. So, again, I will see you on Monday at YouTube. I will see you on Tuesday with this podcast. And don't forget to check us out one last time, 8 p.m. on our YouTube page. Check out the description below for the link or just type in Productive Conversations on YouTube and check us out at 8 p.m. for our live stream, Buccaneers at Cowboys, the first ever Productive Conversations live stream. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast, and I'll see you all on Monday and then back here on Tuesday. All right, have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the football, and don't forget to check in on your friends and family. Peace!